So I apologize in advance. Those of you who know me know I'm about to get my steps in. So uh, uh, those of you who don't, you're going to find out what that joke was in a few minutes. So, um, so I'm going to speak on prayer this morning, and uh, I'm going to tell you why. There was a time when I, last time I stepped on this stage, that I didn't know what life was going to look like. You know, when God speaks, you just got to trust him and move. And um, so there was a time last time I was here where, man, I just, I didn't know how things would turn out. It was a time of uncertainty in my life. Um, and it was, it's one of those moments, you ever had some of those moments where you go, I've got to make some decisions, and, 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 and you just, even though you feel like you're walking down the right thing from God, you just never have what I would call, you know, you just never have one of those moments where like, you know, like I didn't audibly hear the word of God, you know what I mean? And so you just start walking down the wisdom that you receive through scripture and through wise counsel and, and through what you think you're supposed to be doing and taking those wise steps. And that's all we can do sometimes in, in our life as Christians. And so there was a moment here where I just went, man, I'm just, I don't know what life's going to look like. And I'm going to tell you this. You know, I, I, why, why I, I, stepping back on this stage, the only thing I can get down and preach on is absolute, unadulterated, persistent, bold, trusting prayer and relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ to God. We, we can do nothing else. Because I wholeheartedly believe that one, as Bob alluded to, the fact that this church is here and that some of the things that happened in this body only come from a body of believers seeking and trusting the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you, I, 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 I only believe the fact that I'm able to be back here with you this morning is, is by the hand of the same thing. And so, guys, I'm going to walk you through some of, some of that, some of my journey, through those moments when you go... God, I'm just not sure. I just don't understand. I'm at a place where I'm going through this thing and, and I'm working through it. Father, I'm looking for some answers and some places that I've gone through in Scripture that have just opened a world up to me that lead me back to my knees. And so, I, I want to share that from a heart level with you all this morning. Before I do that, I'm going to do two things. One, I'm going to wish my wife a happy birthday. And just publicly thank God that he put her in my life. So, and then let me go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, this morning as we come and seek you, and we seek the wisdom that you place in our lives, God, as we open your word and, and we evaluate how you show us to pray, the, the, the persistence and the boldness that you tell us to come to you before with. Father, would you, would you open up in our hearts, Father, a pursuit for you that goes beyond where we are in our lives today, Father, that we find something new, that we find something fresh. Father, as, as we open up your word today, would you be clearly seen by all of us? Father, would you help us to push the distractions of the world away? Father, would you make me small that your word would be large in their lives today? Father, would would you open it up in such a way that it penetrates our hearts and moves in our lives? Father, would you, would you show up in a way that goes beyond what we as men can do, but that only you can do? Lord, I love you and I thank you for this church this morning and for the presence they have in this community. Father, would you help us to seek you? In your heavenly name I pray, amen. So, um, a couple of theologians, you know, prayer is absolutely one of the, the most popular things that people like to talk about. 
um, in terms of, of what we believe as Christians. And, and we'll say all the time, you know, well, well what are some of the key, the, the, the key benchmarks that we're supposed to do as a body of believers? And it's easy for us to say things like, well, we believe in the Father, we believe in the Son, in the Holy Spirit, we, we believe in the Word, and, and we pray. But i got to tell you, the truth is, is that for many of us, our prayer life is, is not as consistent as it really should be as a body of believers. As a matter of fact, fact theologian D.A. Carson says that if you want to embarrass a Christian, really begin to talk to them about their prayer life. Amen. But here's the reality is, is you've you got to ask yourself, well, why, why is it that way? I mean, why is it that most often as Christians that, that we'll, we'll pray? Here's, here's the kinds of prayers that most of us will pray. We'll pray what I call housekeeping prayers, which are, which are great. And, and they require consistent fellowship with God, right? Prayers like, God, could you help me at work this week? Father, could you walk, watch over my son? Father, could you? And those are, listen, those are all good prayers. Please don't think I'm condemning them. They're fantastic prayers. But what I'm saying, and as we walk through today, I want you to think of it bigger than that. You see, the the vision that God's allowed us to have in our lives, we can pray big things, bold things. And not only can we, but he, he, He petitions us to do so. And so as we pray through some of the personal things in your lives, let me just ask you a question. It's a simple question, but if you really think through it, it may have life-changing impact in your life. If you knew today that God would grant your prayer, if your prayer was in line with His will, if you knew today, walking out of here, that God would grant your prayer, what would you be praying? Would it be different than what you're praying right now? See, those are the kinds of questions that as Christians we should be confronting ourselves with. Here's the reality. Scripture says this, not just Scripture, the red letters. By the way, the red letters are important, aren't they? I don't know why in so many Bibles today the red letters are gone. But the red letters are really important. I mean, they're all important. But Scripture says this, it says, apart from Him, we can do nothing. In other words, on our own power, on our own understanding, on our own talent. And listen, here's we live in an American society that wants us to believe that with enough time, talent, and money, we can accomplish just about everything, can't we? That's kind of like the the, the American dream that they try to sell to us, is that with enough time, talent, and money, we can accomplish anything that we want. But the reality is is that following that mindset means that I'm walking down a path of my own self-worth. I'm going to begin to worship myself as a self-made man. I become a god of my own story. You follow me? The reality is Scripture says exactly opposite to that, that we can do nothing apart from Him. And so even those things that we think are all about us, they're not. They're really not. All things come from Him. Luke, the writer of the Gospels, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 11. You don't need to put it up yet, but Luke, the writer of of a couple of Gospels, he wrote Luke, but he also wrote Acts. And one of the things I love about the way that he wrote is he really, more than any of the other Gospel writers, gives us a glimpse into the prayer life of Christ. Now listen, if you want to study somebody's prayer life, that's a pretty good one to study. But he gives us a glimpse into the prayer life of Christ, and I want to just open that up to you a, a little bit. And I, I know this gets a, it's a, a little bit you know, uh, repetitive, but I, just, I, want, I want to show you how important this was. 
In Luke chapter 3, Jesus is praying at his baptism. In Luke chapter 4, he's praying before his temptation. In Luke chapter 5, he tells us that Jesus often went alone to be in prayer. In Luke chapter 6, he reveals that before Jesus chose his disciples, he spent the night before in prayer. In Luke chapter 9, before he was, he presented the disciples with the question, who do you say I am? That's a pretty do or die question in their relationship, right? That's a defining moment. Before he presented them with that question, who do you say I am? You know what he did? He spent the afternoon in prayer. After he made the declaration of their lives that he would, they were going to put their lives at risk in Luke chapter 9, he says he spent time in prayer. And in, in 22 and 30, Jesus promises Peter that he will pray for him at his hour of, of, of trial. Jesus commands the disciples to pray so that they will not fall in temptation. In 23, Luke shows us that Jesus' last breath from the cross was a prayer. What I want you to know and understand is that in all of these moments in Jesus' life, Jesus is reaching out in relationship and in prayer. Yet we as a church do not do that that way. Why is that? I mean, do we really believe that we as Christians and a body of believers are more capable in our relationship with God than Christ? We should really examine that. You know, the book of Acts... And you can fact check me on this. In the book of Acts, Luke shows the church in prayer in every single chapter. As a body of believers, we have got to realize that our strength, our power, our safety, our comfort, it comes from our direct relationship with prayer, with Christ. So, here's what I'd ask. What would you be praying differently? What would your life look like if you really said, I'm going to take that seriously. I'm going to start lifting up that thing that pulls at my heart, that question that I feel like I'm just not getting an answer to, that circumstance that troubles me, that big wish, that desire that that I've always said, man, I wish God would open this up to me. Are you lifting it up to Him? Or is it just this still, quiet thing in your heart that you're not pursuing in relationship with Him? Lift it up. Here's my concern. Pastor J.D. Greer, I don't know how many of you know who J.D. Greer is. He is the head of the Southern, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, pastor of a church called Summit Church in North Carolina. Great, great pastor. He said this. He says prayer was fundamental to the early church. But in the modern, now listen, this is the head of the Southern Baptist Convention saying this, has become supplemental to the modern church. Now, let me, hear, let me walk that down for you for a minute. He says prayer, and you look at that, the book of Acts in every chapter was fundamental to the early church, and here's what they did. You know, Jesus went, he ascended into heaven, he tells them that the Holy Spirit's about to come. They spent like 10 days together in prayer and went out and, and, and preached, and showed this sermon that, that Peter goes out and preaches, and 3,000 people get saved after 10 days in prayer and about a 10-minute sermon. 
He's saying that for us as Christians today, what was once fundamental in our prayer life as individuals and as the church has become supplemental. In other words, what you began to see through the early church is that prayer was the ministry and then action came out of that prayer life. But today, so often, we have a ministry and we supplement that ministry by praying over it. Do you follow me? Where, where, where what he's really saying is, is that we ought to be talking more to God about people than people to, God, to people about God sometimes. We ought to really be lifting up the world around us to God, lifting up the circumstances around us to God, boldly, persistently, seeking His time and face. It's become supplemental in our lives. So I want to walk that down with you. Kind of set it up. Here's what I want to do. I want to literally show you what Jesus says to the disciples as he's teaching on prayer. Now, as we first get there, I'm going to warn you up front. There's going to be a moment in this where you're going to kind of look at me and go, Pastor Daryl, that doesn't work. Okay? Be forgiven. Let me walk you all the way through it. Okay? Go ahead and put it on the screen. So you're going to be familiar with this. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now listen, get this for a moment, right? Here's the disciples, and the disciples have done what with Jesus? They've walked, they've talked, they've spent time, they've seen Jesus with with, with the poorest of people, and the most important of people, right? They've seen Jesus in these moments of quiet humbleness and in moments of absolute power. They've seen Him perform miracles. They've seen Him preach sermons. They've seen Him do the incredible. Yet the the thing they come back to is they say, Jesus, could you teach us to pray? You know, I, I, and there's a part of me that goes, man, if I, you know, I, maybe, maybe this is just my old redneck self, but there's a part of me that goes, I'm watching, I spent that kind of time with Jesus, I might be, hey, Jesus, can you teach me how to turn uh, uh, some Long John Silvers into enough to feed 5,000? Hey, Jesus, can you teach me how to spit in that dirt and rub it on a blind man's eyes and, and let him see? Like, I, I'll be the world's greatest optometrist. I mean... You know, there, there be some of those moments where you go, there were these other things that he did that to us, they seem absolutely profound. But to the disciples, they don't single out any of those things. What they single out is, is that the source of his power, the source of what gave him the ability to change minds, hearts to physics, the source of all of that came through his connection to God, right? Hey, listen, don't miss the fact Jesus was... man and 100% God, okay? And so, as a man, he's performing miraculous things, but he's also connecting with God the exact same way that we can. And so as his disciples walk with him, they say, can you teach us how to pray? Now, I don't know about you guys, but if this afternoon there was a sign up in the back of the sanctuary that says Jesus Christ is teaching prayer this afternoon, I would sign up, okay? I would. I would that's, that, is, that is a class. I'm sure, Bob, I might miss your class for that one. I'm going to go, like, I, I'm, there might be some other really good classes, and I, but I'm, I'm going to go see Jesus Christ teach me how to pray. So I get it when the disciples are like, can you teach us how to pray? Because they understand the power and the strength that is coming from that kind of a connection. You follow me? 
And so out of that, we get what is commonly referred to, and it's referenced here in Luke 11. It's a little different than what, it, what it's referenced, I think, in Matthew 9. We get what we commonly refer to as the Lord's Prayer. And listen, I'm going to go through it really quickly because that's not the focus of this, but I want you to have it. So go ahead. It says, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive ourselves and everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's a little bit different. You guys know, you guys know the prayer, right? If you grew up in church, you know that prayer, right? It should be called the disciples' prayer, not the Lord's prayer. That's what I've always thought. But there is one thing that I'm going to hit real quick because, I, you know, I've had this question more than just about, like it's a simple question, but I've had this question a lot. I've had someone ask me, Pastor Daryl, who do we pray to? You ever thought that before? Who do we pray to? Well, here's what I know. I think you can pray, you know, we, we, we worship eternity, right? I think you, but Jesus says, Father. So I think if he's my example, I'm going to pray to the Father through the Son. You follow me? So that's what we're doing. So, so what's awesome, though, is, 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 and I don't know why we always get this, but we never get the follow-up. Because you see, Jesus gave this teaching. He gave this example, but then he immediately followed it up. And I think for us, how he followed it up is, is almost more important than the example. Because here's what he did when he followed it up. You know why I think we don't pray the way we should? Now listen, I'm going to step on some toes, okay? But y'all remember I love you, okay? And I'm human and I struggle in these same places. Here's why I don't think that we pray often the way we should. Because we really don't know if it works. Now here's what I mean. Now I'm going to tell you, no good Christian is going to stand up on stage and say prayer don't work. Because prayer works. But here's what happens. Sometimes we pray about something and it doesn't happen. Right? Sometimes we lift something up and it's big and it's important to us and it's personal. And we lift it up and we pray about it and we're, we're consistent and we go, God, you should bless this. And it doesn't happen. And maybe in that moment we find ourselves at this disconnect where we go, man, this makes perfect sense. I don't understand why a good God wouldn't show up and bless this moment. And, you know, and listen, I'm just going to tell you because your perspective isn't the same as his. Okay? I can walk that down, that's another sermon. But sometimes we pray something big like that, and it's big and it's important. And I'm going to tell you, I know people who have walked away from the church over that principle, over believing that their wisdom is greater than God's wisdom. Okay? I'm just going to tell you lovingly, there are times that we pray for things that God doesn't bless, okay? And and then there's, you know what, there's times that I forget to pray about something. You ever done that? Like, you know something's coming, like, I'm going to pray about that, and I forget to pray about it. And, and you know what? It happens anyways. You ever, you ever experienced one of those? And then there's times that we, we lift up something, but we don't do a really good job of it. You know, I just, it's the simple Sunday prayer. I'm praying for you, Bob, and you're walking like, I mean, maybe you say a simple prayer, but, and, and, and it happens. So here's what I'm saying. In our consistency as Christians, so often we don't fully pray because there's this piece of us that goes, does it really matter? Does it really have an impact? Does it really work? And here's what I'm going to say to you. If you want to know the answer to that question, start praying. Seriously. If you want to know the answer to that question, start praying. And you'll find it. Jesus, after he gives that example, he immediately gives an answer to us about unanswered prayer. And I think for us in our culture today, we really need to study those answers and understand how he's telling us 
to react to him. Go ahead. So in Luke chapter 11, this is immediately following that, that, that short example of the Lord's Prayer. It says, and he said to them, and listen, there's not even really much of a, like a transition here, is there? It goes straight from the Lord's Prayer and it jumps straight into, and he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, hey, by the way, if you come to me at midnight, you, you're wise to address me as friend, right? <laughs> yeah. Remind me, remind me that relationship exists, okay? All right, so it says, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. We better be friends, right? But there's even more going on here. Understand that in this day, for someone to come to you at midnight, I mean, that's not 12 o'clock to us. That's the middle of the night, right? Their, their, their timetable was set by the clock. This guy's been asleep for three or four hours. He's in REM sleep. He's having the good dreams, right? You know, he's, he's out, and, and now you're knocking on his door, and what he's asking for here isn't simple. It's not small. Three loaves in that time would have been an exorbitant cost. A loaf would have been enough to feed a family for about a week. So when, so when he comes and says, hey friend, I know it's late, but I had somebody show up and And you know how important in this culture hosting was? I had somebody show up and I have nothing to give them. This is a man who's desperate, by the way. Who's going to his friend out of desperation. And what he's asking for is big. It's a big cost. He says, I have nothing to put before him, Dan. Verse 7 says, And he will answer from within the door. Now, this is the answer I'm going to give, right? He says, he will answer from within the door. Do not bother me. The door is shut and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Now, now think about this. Again, you've got to set yourself in the tone of the culture. So, So in this moment, often homes were like in one room. Now, picture it this way. You ever been, who's, who's been camping on the air mattress with a bunch of kids before, right? parents out there know what I'm saying. And so, so you fight real hard, you know, you go camping and you're doing all you can to get everybody fitted in. It's like a puzzle, you know. Everybody's got to have their own little space and get comfortable, and it takes forever in that kind of a setting to get everybody down and quiet. Now, any of you guys who, who, who raised some small kids, you know once you get them down and quiet, thank you God, right? <laughs> That's an answer to prayer, and you just want them to stay that way, don't you? You know? And so here he says, my door is shut and my children are with, it, with me in bed. They're down. They're quiet. We're in bed and you're knocking on my door at midnight waking us up. Friend. Yeah? Right? He says, I can't get up and give you anything. I can't do that. All right, go ahead. And he says, I tell you though, he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend. Yet, because of his impudence, because of, I like that word impudence there, but, but listen, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a simple redneck, so I'm going to make it simple for you too, okay? Because of his boldness, because he, he had the guts to do it, and he keeps coming, because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. In other words, he comes at this time of the night and he's so bold and he just he's going to keep coming. He's going to keep knocking. He needs it. He's desperate. Because of his boldness, it says, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Now listen, 
in my heart, in my humanity, I have this picture of, of oh, all right, come on, just take whatever you need and get out of here. I've got to get my kids to sleep. But listen, in our relationship with God, that's not how it is, and so I don't want to portray it that way. But in my humanness, that's the way I think I'd feel it. But with God, as we approach Him that way, if this is a parable for us and Him, it says that if we come to Him like that, in boldness and in our impudence, that He'll rise. Listen, did you know that your prayers have the ability to move His heart? But understand, this man is coming and asking out of desperation, out of boldness, and with a heart for others, right? But you have the ability to have God get up for you, to rise for you, and see to your needs and the needs of others. But we got to come to Him. We got to ask. We got to approach Him. Listen, there's another parable, and I'm going to jump real quick to Luke chapter 18. Because Luke records another parable that Jesus gives, and it's on the same subject. And so I think these two things can be viewed as parallels. And I want you to see them together. Because as, as you begin to look through these things together, you begin to get this picture of how God is, is not just telling us, but He's imploring us to bring our prayers before Him. And so in Luke chapter 18, go ahead. It says, He said this, in a certain city. Now, he's talking on prayer. As a matter of fact, I think in Luke chapter 1, which is not on screen, it literally says that he was talking and teaching to them about prayer. And so you got Jesus again, red letters, right? And so it says, he said to them in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. Now, get a picture in your head of what that kind of guy would look like, right? A person who neither feared God or respected man. Y'all know a couple of them folks? Don't nudge anybody in church, right? But do y'all know some folks like that? Y'all know some people who just, like the only person that really matters to them, the only opinion that really matters to them is their own? Right? So there's a judge who neither feared God or respected man, and then there was this widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversaries. In other words, there's a widow who's been wronged. And she keeps coming to the judge, asking the judge to fix how she was wronged, to give her the justice. But the judge, who neither feared man or loved, who, who neither feared man or respected God, he's not giving her an answer for her plea. You follow me? Go ahead. And it says, for a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God or respect man, though, so what he's saying is, though I don't really care what this woman is saying, she doesn't scare me, judgment doesn't scare me, I'm not worried about it, though I neither fear God or respect man, yet because she just keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me with her continual coming. In other words, she's just wearing me out. And I'm tired of it, so I'm going to give her what she wants so she'll go away. It's an odd prayer strategy, isn't it? And listen, this is the kind of thing that only Jesus can get away with saying, too. 
I'm going to tell you right now, really think about this. So if, if in a parable like this, someone is God and someone is man, well, I, you know, who's, who's man in the parable here? We would be the widow, right? We're going to be the one that's continually coming to him, who's continually coming to God and, and begging for something. So listen, I warned you all, you're all going to say this doesn't really quite work and fit. So, so in the parable, that makes God the, the judge who is unjust, who neither fears man. So are we say, is Jesus saying that God is, an, is, an, is, a, is a judge who's not justified and doesn't? No, he's not. He's not drawing something here so that we would compare him to a judge. He's drawing it so that we would contrast him. So that we would say, if even a judge who neither fears man or loves, who neither fears God or loves man, even if a judge would give judgment, how much more would a father who loves you do? How much more would a father who cares about you and gives good gifts and loves justice, how much more would he do than a judge like this? He's telling us in these parables about prayer to come to him and to do it persistently. Not once. Not just, not just a moment. Not just fleeting but to come to Him genuinely and persistently lifting up. Hey, listen, you know Scripture says this. This is one of those things as I walk some of this stuff down in my own life, I went, okay, some of that starts to make sense. Scripture says that our life is but a mist. That's in James. It's here for a moment and it's just gone. So if you think about our life to God just being a mist, can you imagine how short just one of our prayers are? Okay, so He's telling us You follow me? He is telling us to consistently and boldly come to Him with what's going on in our lives. To seek Him. That's about establishing relationship with Him. Do you follow me? So sometimes it's hard for us to get to that place. And I'm going to tell you, it only happens with intentionality. So there are three things that when I walk through these prayers when I walk through His Word, that I just walk out with and go, all right, so here's some instruction for us that I can take away from it. He tells me to come before Him desperately. Right? The man who comes after the bread, he's coming desperate. He's coming out of a need that is placed in his life. I have to have this fulfilled. He wants us to bring those things, those marks of desperation, the stuff we need to have fulfilled. He wants us to come before Him with those things, with those pleas. Let me ask you, are you laying your desperation at His feet? Are you seeking Him for your needs? Or are you little like me in that you get caught in that trap sometime where you go, man, I'm pretty talented. I can work this out myself. See, that's a trap, guys. It's a trap. It's a trap for us to believe I can figure it all out. Now listen, my talent comes from God, but so does every other blessing in my life. And so He wants us to seek Him even with those things and to come before Him desperately. And sometimes I think there's this, I think there's this thing even in the church where it's like, I don't want to ask. We, we get like almost this, this humility about our prayer lives where we begin to say, well, if I keep bringing it before God, I'm going to be abusing. I'm not. And listen, there are some things that you probably shouldn't be praying for, okay? Amen? 
But, but there, are some, there are some things that, that he's, he's telling you to bring your life. And so th- there shouldn't be this act of humility that we allow to separate us from that relationship with God, that we should bring it all. We should, we should lay it at his feet. We should come to him with our desperation. And let, let me just walk this down. This isn't a, you know, a brimstone prayer, but I'm going to tell you, preachers still need to preach that hell is hot, right? And I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't think you desperately need him, you're lost. Okay, you need him for way more than your mortgage. You need him for your soul. And so if you haven't crossed that bridge first, when, you, when I say you need to come before him desperately, you better be becoming for him that you know and understand that he died on a cross for your sins and that he paid that atonement and that he makes it so that you can come before him. You better understand that stuff and desperately and broken be bringing your life to him. We need to be coming before him with desperation. But then he tells us we can come before him with boldness. We can come before Him even with those things that are placed in our heart that we go, man, that dream is too big. I'm going to promise you, your dream's not too big for Him. And if you have that dream in your heart, the reality is, is He may have placed that dream in the heart of a few people around you. I'm going to tell you right now, Bob mentioned it before, and there was this moment in the life of this church where there was a group of us that sat around at a table and go, man, we could join these two churches if God shows up. And I'm going to tell you what that was about God showing up. And I'm also going to, I'm going to give praise to a humble, humble, loving, God-centered man named Barry, who some of you all don't know, that, that put himself aside to see God's work completed in this church. I'm going to tell you, there are moments in your life where you just go, I can't do that on my own. That dream is too big. And the truth is, is you can't do it on your own. But if you allow yourself to be a vessel used by God and the Holy Spirit, He may do it through you. You may be short-circuiting the power of God in your life because you're not willing to get on your knees. He calls us to bring it before Him desperately, to bring it before Him boldly, and then as the widow, to bring it before Him persistently, to continually seek His counsel, His wisdom, and His Word. And hear me when I say, when you don't have His Word, you always have His wisdom, right? So you may be one of those people and you're praying over something and you go, I haven't audibly heard from God. You probably will uh, most often in your life never get that, 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 that moment where God just splits the clouds and say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, right? Those moments don't happen very often. And you may not even get that moment where you feel like God has just impressed something on your heart, but you will always have the ability to seek his wisdom. And his wisdom tells us to seek wise counsel around us. And so if you begin to do that, he's placed you in the body because as a body of believers, we edify one another. And so use the body he's placed you in and pray together boldly, desperately, and persistently. We seek him. Finally, in Luke chapter 11, after this, you don't have to flip through slides. Luke chapter 11, after this, He says that we are to ask, seek, and knock, right? Ask, seek, and knock. I think that's around verse 9. And then around verse 11, he says he finishes up this teaching in Luke chapter 11 with something that goes along the line. I'm going to get my scripture. I don't want to defile the word of God. Oh, it's in my hand. I don't want to defile the word of God here. But he says something along the lines of Luke chapter 11, verse 11 says, if a son shall ask for bread of any of you, that is a father, 
Will you give him a stone? Or will you ask, if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? If your son, for any of you, shall come and say, can I have some bread, would you give him a stone? Or if he says, can I have a fish, would you give him a serpent? And you read that and you go, what the heck is he talking about? So listen, he just walked through this whole teaching where he's telling us to come boldly, persistently, to to come and, and ask desperately. And he says, so if your son, and you're a good father, and he's comparing us as fathers, because can we agree that we're probably most like God with our children? Like, I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, Scripture says all of our righteousness is like filthy rags, right? But the reality is, is that probably for most of us, our relationship with our children is when we're at our best, when we're the most generous, when we're the most giving, the most patient and kind. And, you know, that's, that should be when you're at your best, especially when they're small, when they get to be older, sometimes they're knuckleheads. But, you know... You, when there's like in those moments, right? So when they come to you and he's, he's contrasting us as a father here, he's contrasting us at the moment in our lives when, when we should be at our best. You follow me? And he's saying, if in that relationship, if your son would come and say, Daddy, I need some bread, would you give him a stone? Would you give him a snake? Flip it on its head. If your son came and said, Hey, Dad, can I have a snake? Would you give it to him? Okay. So now let's, let's talk about the parable, right? So often when we come to God in petition and prayers in our lives, and we say, Father, I need you to give me this. And we say, He's, he's not going to give us things. He's not going to bless us. He's not gonna... What He's saying is that if you're a good father in this relationship with your child, and you're continually coming boldly and persistently and asking up, a good father is going to give the needs of his children. And so if you're a good father, just like with the judge, and we contrast ourselves to God, we say, how much better of a father is our holy father? And when you ask for the serpent, in love, He denies you. And so when we come to those moments in our lives, when we're praying for a serpent, but we don't know it, it is in love that God denies us. But sometimes we are like the children who cry. Because we don't know. Because our perspective is different than the Father's. So here's the one question that I walked away from some of this with. I'm like... Well, God, why don't you just give it to me the first time I ask? Now, I'm not, I know I'm not the only one. We can laugh at my... But if he's sovereign and he wants the best for me and he has the ability to grant it in the first moment, why does he not just give it to me the first time I pray for it? If he's going to give it to me anyways... Or if he's going to withhold it anyways, why does he not just make it clear that he's going to withhold it? Why, why the constant coming? And I'm listen, I'm going to be honest enough to tell you I don't have a hard and a fast answer to that because I don't know what is in God's heart. But here's what I know. I know what Scripture tells me to do. And here's what I believe. I believe because when we come to him, we are establishing a dependency and a relationship with him. And that coming to him glorifies him. You follow me? And in our prayer life, we are to be glorifying God. And you say, well, how does that glorify God? Here's how it glorifies God. I don't know if, if, if any of you, how many of y'all have, have children or have raised children? Okay. So you're going to follow me here for just a moment. 
You know, no one asks more boldly in my life than my kids, right? There can be these moments when I'm laying in bed at 3 o'clock in the morning and I open my eyes because I can feel something scorching a look into me. <laughs> and you open your eyes and you see, you know, see one of your small kids there and you're like, what's going on? And they go, I need water, you know, and you just... You know, you do what any good father does and says, your mom's on the other side of the bed, you know? No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I really do that, but I'm just kidding. You know? <laughs> but, but here's the reality, right? That child coming to you in those moments is glorifying us. And here's how he's glorifying us. Because they're going, I'm not capable of achieving this on my own. I'm not, but I know, Daddy, you are. Not only do I know you are, I know you will. And so in those moments, they're lifting us up. They're saying that, that Father, I know you're able and willing to provide my need. And in those moments, they're paying us a compliment. They're paying us a blessing. Do you follow me? There's a story about Alexander the Great. At the end of his life, before he passed away, he had a general, a general, Alexander the Great did, that came to him and said to him as a general, I've never asked anything of you, but I'd like, you to ask for my I'd like to ask for you to pay for my daughter's wedding. And so he thought about it for a moment, and he said, you know what, you've been a good and an honorable general to me. Sure, I'll pay for your daughter's wedding. A few days later, the story says, that Alexander the Great's treasurer came to him and tells him he needs to punish the general. And he says, well, why would I punish the general? He's been, he goes, because the wedding that he is planning will be the most expensive wedding that the nation of Greece has ever seen. It will, it will take away such a large portion of our treasury that we'll never recover. And Alexander the Great, at the end of his life, thought about it for a moment, and he told the treasurer, no, you don't punish him, you give him everything that he asks. And the treasurer, puzzled, looks at him and says, well, why would I do that? He says, because the general pays me a great compliment. One, he believes that I'm wealthy enough to do that. And two, he believes I'm generous, I'm generous enough that I would do that. And I would like that to be my legacy. It honors me. We honor God by asking. Not only do we honor it, he's told us to, Right? He said to come and ask, to lay your petitions before. So church, let me just ask you, what is it that you need to lay before God? What is it that when you think through it and you go, man, if God showed up in this area of my life, life would change. If God showed up in this place, it would be a different world for me. Lay it before him, desperately, boldly, and persistently. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as the team comes. Dear Heavenly Father, I know your word never returns void to us. And that God, every time we open and seek your wisdom, that you are sufficient to meet us right there. Lord, this morning as we come, Father, I'd ask that you would move in our lives in mighty and powerful ways. That, God, this morning we would come and we would lay those things before your throne. That, God, that you would show up in our lives in such a way that we understand that, that just as, you, as, as your word said, that, Father, you've never forsaken us. That, Father, you go before us in all things. That, you've see, that you have sought relationship with us and pursued us, and that our coming and humbling ourselves before you, Father, glorifies you in our lives. 
Lord, this morning as we come and we lift those things up, Father, I'd ask that you just move in our hearts. That maybe you would open up those things in our lives that are both personal and corporate in this church. Now, Father, you would begin to do a work that maybe didn't even start today and won't be completed tomorrow. But, Father, you would begin to do a work in our lives and in our spirits that would extend beyond us. Lord, I know, and even in a church of this size, that, Father, there are some of us that need to come before you with things that, that have true desperation attached to them. And that, God, you are sufficient for us in those moments. And that, Father, you're stirring in the hearts of some of us a divine dream that you have planted And that, Father, you're just waiting for people to boldly take the steps in their lives because you have already preordained their movements. That, Father, you would pour your spirit out through us and through this church. Lord, I lift you up and I thank you for the generosity you have shown in our lives. Father, I'd ask that you would keep us humble. That we would be willing and able vessels that your spirit could be poured through. In your heavenly name I pray, amen. Would you stand for just a moment and listen, allow, the, allow them to play, and, and, and here's what I want to do. Listen, if you've got something like that that's going on in your lives and you want to lay it before God, would you come this morning and just boldly pray that up to God? Lord, I thank you for your word. This morning as we prepare to leave, God, would you just stir in our hearts the conversations that we've had? And would you help us to persistently seek you in everything in our lives? In your name I pray. Thank you.